Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the first spring podcast, Stories from the Sira. My name is Banu Murtaza and I'm honored to be taking this journey into the life of the Prophet with you. We begin with the dua of intention of Imam al Haddad. Bismillah ar Rahman ar Rahim. No way to ta'alluma wa ta'alim, wa tadakkara wa tadkir, wa nafa wa intifa'a. والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على تمسك بكتاب الله بسنة رسوله صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم ودعاء على الهدى ودلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى آمين In today's episode, we will learn about the great woman Sayyidah Halima al-Aslamiya who was selected by Allah to be the milk mother of our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The year that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born was a year of great difficulty for the Banu Sa'ad. It was a year where it had not rained at all. And many of the animals and food that the Banu Sa'ad had grown was dying because of the drought. That year, Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, had had a baby boy. A baby boy named Sayyidina Damra. Sayyidina Halima travelled with a group of women from the Banu Sa'ad to Mecca to take any of the babies that they had had so that they could wet nurse them for a wage. Sayyidina Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, says that when we set off, I was upon an old white donkey. This poor donkey was so old, it kept falling behind. And every little while, the women would have to stop and wait for Sayyidah Halima to catch up with them. And they were getting very irritated. Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, would ask them to be patient. When they arrived in Mecca, many of the women had entered the city before Sayyidah Halima even arrived, and they had gone straight to the Kaaba. The women were asking around, has anybody had a child in Mecca? Has there been a baby born that needs to be wet nursed? And they would be told, yes, the blacksmith has had a child. The leather maker has. Oh, what about the perfume maker? Each one of the women would be told about the Prophet ﷺ. And when they asked about his father, they'd be told, oh no. His father passed away before he was born. And the women would think, no. What wage could we expect from a baby whose father is no longer alive? And so each of the women even though they knew about the Prophet ﷺ, decided not to go to his family and ask if they could take him, for fear that they would not be able to earn a wage. By the time Sayyidah Halima got to Mecca and started to ask around, all the babies that had been born that year had already been taken by the other women, all except the Prophet But the same thing that made the other women not want to take the Prophet ﷺ made Sayyidah Halima hesitate also. That night, Sayyidah Halima got back to the camp and she was the only woman that didn't have a baby to take home. And so she said to her husband, I don't want to go home without a baby. We came all this way for me to take a baby to wet nurse. I feel that we should go back and take the orphan of Banu Hashim. Maybe, through him, Allah will place barakah in our rizq. Her husband said, that is exactly what I think that you should do. So the next day, Sayyidah Halima made her way to Mecca. 
And when she got to the house of Sayyidina Abdul Muttalib, she knocked on the door. Sayyidina Abdul Muttalib asked, Who is it? And she said, It is Halima bint Abu Dhuayb al-Sa'adiyya. I have come to take your baby to witness. And Sayyidina Abdul Muttalib said, I have been commanded not to open my door for anybody but you. You see, it wasn't say the Halima that chose the Prophet ﷺ. It was Allah that chose say the Halima for His beloved ﷺ. When say the Halima opened the door and entered into the house of Sayyidina Abdul Muttalib, she said that the Prophet ﷺ was lying down asleep. And she was worried about going to him because she didn't want to wake him. And as she quietly approached the bed that he was sleeping on, the Prophet ﷺ turned his head towards Sayyidah Halima and smiled. Sayyidah Halima fell in love. When Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, took the Prophet ﷺ into her arms, the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, moved towards Sayyidah Halima, searching for milk. And Sayyidah Halima, who until this moment had had no milk even to give to her own son, Sayyidina Damra, became full of milk and was able to feed the Prophet ﷺ until he was full. She offered the Prophet ﷺ more milk, but he turned it away, saving that for Sayyidina Damra. As Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, brought the Prophet ﷺ into the camp all of the babies that had been crying before he arrived suddenly stopped crying. The animals who didn't have any milk to give suddenly became filled with milk. Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, said, we had bought a old red camel on our journey with us, but it was so old and it was so dried up that it had no milk to give. Until we brought the Prophet into the camp, we turned to the camel and she was full of milk. So Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, fed Sayyidina Damra, and he fell sound asleep. And she said, before this, we had not been able to sleep for his cries, because Sayyidina Damra had never had a tummy that was full. And so, even when she would lay him down to go to sleep, he would cry and cry, and make it very difficult for his parents to get any sleep at all. But once the Prophet ﷺ was in the arms of Sayyidah Halima, Sayyidina Damra had enough milk for him to be full and for him to sleep soundly. And Sayyidah Halima and her husband drank from the camel and they too spent a night in bliss. The next morning, the women and the men around the camp of Sayyidah Halima would come to Sayyidah Halima and say, Ya Halima, Surely you have a blessed child. Did you not see what a wonderful night we spent? Now on their return journey back, Sayyidah Halima's old white donkey, the one that hadn't been able to keep up with any of the red camels that her companions were on, raced ahead of the group. And the camels would try and catch up, but they couldn't quite manage it until Sayyidah Halima would stop and wait for them to get there. And when they got to her, they would say to her, Oh, Halima, is this the same animal that you came on? And she would say, By Allah, it is the same animal. And they would say, 
what a great affair it has. And surely it did, for now the donkey carried the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa For the next two years, Sayyidah Halima and her family became used to a life of bliss. Sayyidah Halima's shepherd would take her animals out and wherever her animals would graze, they would come back full, getting fatter and stronger every single day. And the people of the Banu Sa'ad would say to their own shepherds, Woe to you! Take our animals where Halima's shepherd takes theirs. And they would say, We do! And our animals graze on the same thing that Halima's animals graze on. But our animals come back and they're still hungry. But Halima's animals come back and they are full. The Prophet ﷺ grew much faster than the other boys around him. By the time he was six months old, the Prophet ﷺ was speaking fluently. By the time he was two, he was like a well-formed four-year-old. And by the time the Prophet ﷺ was four, he was helping out Sayyidah Halima around the house the Prophet ﷺ had begun to shepherd the animals of Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her. One day, as the Prophet ﷺ had taken out the animals to pasture and as he was playing alongside his milk brother Dhamra and some of the other boys, they saw two eagles flying in the sky. And as the eagles landed upon the earth, they changed their form into the form of two men dressed all in white. These were the angels Mikael and Jibra'il. These two great angels came to the Prophet and laid him down upon the ground, cutting open his chest and taking out his heart. They placed the heart of the Prophet into a golden bowl filled with ice-cold zamzam and removed from it a black dot saying, this is the devil's portion in relation to you. Then the angels continued to add even more faith and even more wisdom into the heart of the Prophet ﷺ before placing it back in his chest and sealing him up. Then the angels placed upon the left shoulder blade of the Prophet ﷺ, right behind his heart, the final seal of prophecy. Now Damra, the milk brother of the Prophet ﷺ, had watched the eagles descend upon the earth. He'd watched them turn into these men and he'd watched them cut open the chest of the Prophet ﷺ. But he didn't wait to watch anymore. He ran as fast as he could to get to Sayyidah Halima. And when he got there, out of breath and panting, he said to his mother, Oh my mother, that Qureshi brother of mine, you have to come quick. Two men, they took him, splitting open his chest, and I do not doubt that he is dead by now, but you have to come. Say the Halima, may Allah be pleased with her and her husband, ran to the Prophet ﷺ. But by the time they got to him, the Prophet ﷺ stood alone, his hair a little disheveled, his skin a little pale, his expression a little bemused. Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, said to the Prophet ﷺ, What happened? And the Prophet ﷺ told her exactly what Sayyidina Damra had told her. Two eagles came, and they became men, and then they laid me on the ground and cut open my chest. 
They took out my heart, placed it in some ice-cold zamzam, and then placed it back in my chest. Say the Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, looked at the Prophet ﷺ, at the front of him, at the back of him, and saw a very faint line down his chest, but nothing else, no injury, no hurt, and he wasn't in any pain. Say the Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, knew the Prophet ﷺ had never told a lie, and she believed every word that he said. But now she was worried. What if something was trying to harm the Prophet ﷺ? What if this was something from the unseen world that maybe would harm this child of hers? Say the Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, could not stand the thought of anything happening to the Prophet ﷺ. And she was worried that if something did happen to him, that the Quraysh would blame the Banu Sa'ad. And so she made the very difficult decision of taking the Prophet ﷺ back to his mother. Sayyidah Amina was surprised to see Sayyidah Halima. She wasn't due to bring the Prophet ﷺ back for a few more months yet. And so she asked Sayyidah Halima, a one who has fallen in love, for Sayyidah Halima had truly fallen in love with the Prophet ﷺ, a one who has fallen in love, what has caused you to bring my son back before his time? Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, wasn't sure whether she should tell Sayyidah Amina what had happened. She was scared about Sayyidah Amina's reaction. But eventually, she built up the courage and told Sayyidah Amina what had happened. To Sayyidah Halima's great surprise, Sayyidah Amina smiled. And she said to Sayyidah Halima, Don't worry, for this son of mine has a great affair. This made Sayyidah Halima feel so much better. If Sayyidah Amina wasn't worried, then Sayyidah Halima didn't need to be worried either. So Sayyidah Halima began to say to Sayyidah Amina, Let me take him back. I'll take him back with me. He can finish the time that he was supposed to be with me in the desert. But now Sayyidah Amina, may Allah be pleased with her, said, It's enough. The time of separation between my son and myself is done. Now leave my beloved son here with me. And so the Prophet ﷺ bid his beloved milk mother Sayyidah Halima farewell and began the next phase of his life with his blessed mother Sayyidah Amina bint Wahab. Jazakallah khair for taking this journey with me today. There are a few things that I wanted to talk to you about. The Banu Sa'ad, the tribe of Sayyidah Halima bint Abu Dhu'ayb, were a Bedouin tribe that lived in different parts of Arabia as the weather and their access to water changed. Now some of you might be wondering why the Quraysh would send their children away with wet nurses. You see, at that time, Bedouin tribes in Arabia were known for their strength and the way that they had protected their culture, their language and their good character. And many of the people in the cities wanted to send their children to the Bedouin tribes to learn how to be strong and to make sure that they were healthy and that they weren't affected by the sicknesses that would often come from living in one place with many, many people for too long. For the Bedouin tribes, looking after children whose parents lived in the cities helped them connect to much more powerful tribes and also gave them a wage that would help them survive the very difficult environment of the desert. Now Sayyidina Abdul Muttalib 
had been told not to open his door or give the Prophet ﷺ to anybody but Sayyidah Halima. You see, Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, she had a beautiful character, a character of honesty, of nurturing, of gentleness, and of forbearing. She was somebody who was good to those who were bad to her. She was somebody whose good character mirrored the beautiful character of the beloved ﷺ. And she was also a woman who was known for her great skill in language. She was incredibly intelligent, which you could tell by the way that she spoke and by the way that she had preserved the Arabic language that had been revealed to the Prophet Ismail salam. The Prophet wasallam was speaking fluently by the time he was six months old. So learning the language of Arabic and the skills of being able to speak in the beautiful manner that he spoke وسلم, were gained during this time that he spent in the company of Sayyidah Halima. May Allah be pleased with her. Now if you're like me, you'll find it really interesting that Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, her animals would come back full and satiated. But the animals of the other people in the Banu Sa'ad, even though they were eating the same food that her animals were, would come back and they would still be hungry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us that the blessings that were being experienced by Sayyidah Halima, may Allah be pleased with her, were not because the shepherd was taking the animals to a special place to eat or that the animals were eating something that was particularly special. It was to show us that it was because of the Prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Sayyidah Halima and her flock with such barakah in their rizq. Now you'll also notice that the Prophet was just four years old when he was already working as a shepherd. And for many of you right now who are probably thinking, that's a bit young to have a job, it's really important for us to know that it was very different to be a child in Arabia at the time of the Prophet than it is for us to be a child today. At that time, children were given responsibilities very early on. And after they got to around 9 or 10 years old, a child wasn't seen as a child anymore, but a young adult in training. You were no longer a child by the time that you became a teenager. The schooling of children was not based upon what they could read or write, but was based upon them learning all that they needed to survive living in the desert. And that meant beginning to work from a young age, learning responsibilities, learning what it was to raise a family, to have a job, to look after God's creation, whether that creation was God's earth, God's animals, or the people around you. Now, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ started this at four is just an indication that he ﷺ has always been responsible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. Finally, when taking the black dot from the heart of the Prophet ﷺ, the angel said, this is the devil's portion of you. Now that does not mean in any way that the devil could have affected the Prophet ﷺ. Our belief is that prophets are protected from all of that. But the Prophet ﷺ is sent to creation as rahmatul lil alameen. He is a mercy to all of God's creation. And the devil 
is nothing but the creation of Allah. But Allah's mercy does not extend to the devil, and neither does the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. And so any chance of that is removed from the heart of the Prophet ﷺ before he even gets to the age of five. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really, really glad that you're spending this time taking the journey on the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ with me. And remember that although we call them stories, this is our history. This is our knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ. And when we know him, ﷺ, we will love him. And when we love him, inshallah, we will all be with the one we love. I'm delighted to say that this episode was sponsored by Firdos Books, one of my all-time favorite Islamic online bookstores. They've been selling Islamic books for almost 20 years, and each and every single one of their books is carefully selected and vetted by scholars to make sure that the contents of that book are authentic. Firdos Books has two websites, one for its customers in the U.S., forthosebooks.com, and the other for its Canadian customers, forthosebooks.ca, which means that based on where you're buying from, you'll save a lot on shipping. For the next four weeks, For Those Books is offering a 10% discount. All you need to do to get your 10% discount on the Canadian website is enter SFS10 at the checkout. For those of you who are buying from the US website, you'll need to contact them to process the discount. Now, if you want to buy from them, remember the discount's only going to last for the next four weeks. Until the next episode, I leave you in God's care. Assalamu alaikum. Produced by Studio YD.